On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, uh, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 bang, bang, bang. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you give us a follow there. Let us know what you think of these episodes and uh, everything we're talking about here. We want to hear what you guys have to say. And make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing this. There's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. Hit it. We got uh, some great guests coming up here in the next uh, couple of weeks, and we're celebrating something pretty big in August as well. We'll uh, tease that a little and and get to that uh, down the road. Uh, as the good woman said, my name is Matt Robinson, joined today by our pal Michaela Schreider. What are you saying today, Schreider? Oh, not too much. Hello, Matt. I'm I'm speaking at least, and uh, I have a voice again, so that's good. As I recover from uh, the the vid, the COVID finally oh. got me. Grabbed another one. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, coming yeah. to us live from isolation. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Have you seen in Josh in the last week? Has he been hiding out in the basement or something? Or oh, he got it too. Oh so, no! So okay. we were isolating yeah. together. We're, but we he is hiding in the basement because we're officially sick of each other. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> so we've reached that part of isolation. <laughs> yeah, I think this uh, the COVID thing has been a strain on a lot of marriages right can't wait to actually get back to work for a lot of people and and see other faces so yeah uh, we appreciate you battling through uh you're doing all right you're feeling a little better i know you're on the mend side of this when i reached out to you you said yes i'll do it but you know here's what you should know my brain might be a little foggy and then i felt all bad for having asked but i had no idea at the time you're on the mend you're feeling at least a little better yeah, the the worst of it seems to be over. Um, and now it's kind, it's kind of just like I have a head cold with some fatigue. Uh, but it's not like, you know, the, the worst of it was uh, mid last week where, you know, I had fever and chills and my whole body ached. And oh, Would you say they awful. were multiplying? They were multiplying big time, <laughs> but not as catchy as that. No, I'll tell you that much. No, it was not uh, not nearly <laughs> as fun, fun as Chris made it sound. <laughs> okay. I'm very disappointed in John Travolta. Um, but yeah, now it's and, and the one thing Josh got this, but I didn't. I did not lose my sense of taste and smell. Thank the good Lord above. Right. Because I don't like that. He, he's he got that going on right now. And it sounds really weird. And I 
the one thing, like I haven't had much of an appetite throughout all this, but mm-hmm. I have been craving, of course, just food that is terrible for me. Um, so, you know, I've been indulging in some comfort food, trying sure. to make myself feel better. Yeah. And at least I have that where like, if I couldn't taste that, like, good Lord. No, I know. So where do you turn that after that, been. right? Like exactly. So, has there been like uh, comfort movies? Is there things you turn to when you're sick that uh, have been keeping you afloat now through through your isolation period here? Or? Weirdly, we re- we re- rewatched um, Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame. Okay, I don't know why. I don't even like <laughs> like, like like I've just seen about the Avengers the last movies. thing I expected you to say. Yeah, I've seen the Avengers movies. They're fine. I have nothing against them, but like, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself an Avengers fan or a Marvel fan, even. Sure. Um, but for some reason, I was like, I really want to watch a movie I've seen before. Yeah. And one that requires zero brain power. Yes. And Josh and I have very different tastes in movies. Right. And I just had a weird craving to watch these movies, so this- I knew he'd. Are those his style movies? Like, is he into those? Yeah, yeah. he's more the action. Like, he loves Fast and the Furious movies. Right. And I yeah. Can't friggin' stand them. Um, and I, I like a movie, call me crazy. I like a movie with a bit of a storyline and like some decent performances. Um, that's so rough. (laughs) Right. And, and, and I'm labeled pretentious because of it, but here we are. And then last night we watched, uh, now this is because when we were in Seattle, we started, you know, like you put the TV on in the hotel room just as background noise while you're getting ready. And independence day was on because it was, the independence, independence day, day weekend yes. and we watched about like the first 30 minutes of independence day so last night i was like do you want to finish independence day <laughs> <laughs> so we finished independence day i'm one um, of those people i don't hate independence day i got time for that movie it's 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 not bad one of those like, ones that like you're on the couch on a sunday afternoon and it's on like peach tree or something you're like all right like i'll stick yeah. around yeah Will Smith in the 90s, like before the slap. (laughs) It was good times. That's become the delineator of his career is it's pre-slap and post-slap. Yeah. Apparently. And I've 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 watched too much office. I think I've hit my limit of the office, which like that takes a lot. Yeah. But I like I started I put it on as background noise um when Jim and Pam weren't together. Okay. And I'm now that like they just had a baby so like I, oh, i've man. really You've blown through it yeah but you're also getting to that I, I don't know if you're sick of the office or you're just at that part of the office where it starts to be not as good right like the later That's seasons true. aren't as fun I, it's kind of after seasons five whenever michael leaves you're sort of like all right like Oh yeah, that's where I consider the show done. Yeah, like when Michael leaves, we re- we usually do a, a restart. Um, and we're not thankfully not quite there yet, yeah. but I, I enough that I was like, okay, I'm going to switch to How I Met Your Mother for a couple episodes. <laughs> well, you've got a way worse than I do right now. I'm uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather as well. I hope people will tolerate the slightly nasally voice right now. I may try and fix it as much as I can in post, but uh, it can only it can only do so much miracle work. But we're going to power through. We got tons to get to today. Uh, I should mention briefly. Uh, my go-to movies when I'm sick are uh, on TV shows that will last forever are, is uh, Friends more than The Office. I can watch that over nice. and over and over and over. And the movies, the D3 trilogy, the real trilogy uh, when we're talking awesome. cinematic trilogies. I'll, uh, D3, it's kind of weak. It's the weak sister, right? It's not anywhere near as good as the first two, but uh, but that's where I end up going back to is, uh, is the Mighty Duck movies when I'm feeling sick. So. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to ask, but you do have a sense of taste. Uh, did you bring a pint? You're forgiven if today wasn't a good day for it, but, uh, did you bring one to the table today? I, um, so I didn't, I did bring something to, to open. Okay. I brought a bubbly. 
Um, because I'm just not at this point yet where I can drink beer. And quite frankly, with, with, with where my brain power is, I would fear (laughs) recording myself (laughs) while also drinking beer right now, because I, quite frankly, I just don't think I need beer to have a buzz. I think I just have a constant buzz right right now. So I'm drinking a lime bubbly. A lime bubbly. I don't even know. Is that like a soda basically then? Like, you know, the Michael Buble drinks? No. You haven't seen the Michael Buble commercials? Uh, like the, where he calls it buble instead of bubbly. Oh yeah. Okay. Like a carbonated water. Yes. Okay. There it is. Yeah. You sound like you don't like those commercials. I, I don't like almost any commercials. It, it's hard to notice anything in between the bet three, six, five commercials. Right. I'm, I was going to say, it's like the only non sports betting commercial you may have seen during the playoffs. Right. Okay. Uh, you are forgiven today, but, uh, I'm going to have something here. This is from the, uh, the black bellows brewing company, which I'm not super familiar with. I think this is the first thing I've ever tried from there. Apparently out of Collingwood, no idea if they're new or not. If you're uh, from that area, you can let us know at tall can audio. This is the big buck new England IPA. And, uh, yeah, it comes in at about 6%. They're saying it's, um, you know, new England, right? So it's going to be kind of hazy and kind of juicy. So we'll see what that's all about. Uh, I've never tried this before. Somehow found it kind of tucked in the back corner of the uh, the fridge here. So we'll see what that's all about. Have you ever sampled anything from uh, Black Bellows Brewery? No. What, what area are they from? Collingwood. Collingwood. Okay. Yeah. I can't say I have. I'm just Googling them now to see like if I recognize their logo. I can't say I do, but I, I do love me a New England IPA. Yeah. So uh, first poll, honestly. Pretty good. Pretty juicy. Uh, little citrus to it, right? Which you should probably expect. Um, yeah, not too bad on uh, on the first go around here. I want to let the good listener know I want to tee up a couple of things. We're not going to talk a ton of uh, of Raptors today, but we did earlier in the week. Maddie Lang was here as rumors continue to swirl around what's going to happen with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. And the Raptors, at least sort of around the perimeter, have been tied to that. And, uh, you know, Masai has made big moves before if he thought it would help the franchise. So we brought Maddie Lang on and we talked about uh, the possibility of Durant to the Raptors and what it might cost to get that done. That was episode 985. Episode 986 was our pal Andrew Stoughton. And we were talking a ton of Blue Jays on that one. What's going on? They continue to slide. The pitching has sort of gone off a cliff. What's happening with Kikuchi? And, uh, and so Andrew Stoughton was on for that one, episode 986. Uh, and they have continued to slide in Seattle. And uh, Shrides, you were just out in Seattle. Um, I don't know if that was supposed to be for the Jays and your travel agent sucks or you don't know how to read a calendar. <laughs> you ended up there a week early, uh, but you missed out on, uh, on the Blue Jays. What took you out to, uh, out to Seattle last weekend? My timing is impeccable when I go to American cities for a weekend because last time I was in Boston, I left the day that the Jays were in Fenway. Okay. <laughs> so clearly um, my travel agent sucks and, and I am my travel agent. So really got to uh, fire her. But uh, it'll come as no surprise to anybody who knows me or who listens to this show or my show. Uh, she's got game. I went out to see uh, the Seattle Storm and Sue Bird play basketball. And thankfully... It was quite an adventure getting out there, Matt, um, unsurprisingly. Your Instagram, the... you and Josh on Instagram were telling quite a tale. I'm I'm looking oh forward to God. hearing the, the actual uh, story here. Like all stories I tell, this needs to be, uh, it needs to be started with stating the obvious. I'm an idiot. <laughs> 
so we'll start there. I booked this this trip. Like we, we had planned to go to Seattle at some point this this season to go see Subert play. We knew it was very likely going to be her last season. She confirmed a few weeks ago that it is her last season. So back in and I looked today to see when I booked these flights. I booked these flights uh, at the end of March. Okay. So. If there were, if, if travel was chaos at that point, we didn't know, or or maybe it wasn't. I hadn't heard, right. so I booked a milk run out there, oh, just no. the dumbest flight path because the flights were so expensive. Like and and like you know, I, I have the money to spend, but I'm also not going to you know spend wildly mm-hmm. on this trip. It was an expensive enough long weekend as it was. And the flights were just so expensive that the the only reasonable flight path I could get with timing that worked out for us was Ottawa, Toronto, Toronto, Vancouver, Vancouver, Seattle. Right. Okay. And as we got closer and closer to the day, I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. I could do just about anything to avoid Pearson right now. <laughs> yeah. And like, like just, just giving yourself that many connections with travel right yeah. now is not a good idea. You're setting yourself up for failure and that's exactly what we did. So we were late getting out of Ottawa. We were late getting out thinking we were going to miss our flight to Vancouver in Toronto. Thankfully our flight to Vancouver was late as well. <laughs> so we, we got that one, but we were late getting out of each airport. So we were late getting into Vancouver. And then we, we, I say we missed our flight from Vancouver to Seattle we didn't technically. The flight was on the ground, probably waiting for us, but they had closed the U.S. gates yep. by the time we got there, okay. which is stupid. Yep. Um, so this sent us on a frenzy of running back and forth and back and forth across the Vancouver airport <laughs> trying to find someone who could help us. And because like, you can't call Air Canada right now. No. So we we spoke to one they air Canada your agent. call. Please remain in. Sequence. Oh, they really do. <laughs> yes. And and I want to make it clear. Like I, I I am very cognizant of the fact that traveling right now is a privilege. I'm not. Uh, yep. Ryan Whitneying the situation. <laughs> I am not. This is not meant to be that kind of uh, rant. No. It was a it was a situation that that was more or less created by my own stupidity, mm-hmm. uh, and a combination of of you know travel delays and stuff. But we we talked to one Air Canada agent, and and you know all of them are just doing their best. Yep. Like none of them are having a good time right now. And she said, okay, there's nothing. You can't get on a flight until tomorrow evening. Now the basketball game was tomorrow evening, right. so that's not the whole ideal. We're going the whole reason we're going out there and she said okay well you could always take a bus so we were looking at the at this point we're in the vancouver airport looking at bus schedules for the next day all the buses are even full i I didn't even know that like buses filled up last time i took a bus it was just you got a ticket and you waited in line and hope for the best like well then they just put on another bus behind it when it fills up exactly there was never like assigned seats in a bus what is this and so there was a good 10, 20 minute period there where we're like, we're not getting to Seattle in time for this game. Yeah, I might as well and then, a flight home. Yeah, at that point. So so we're we're walking away and we kind of throw a, a Hail Mary pass and talk to there was this one priority check-in line. We went to talk to the the uh, Air Canada person there. And she miraculously found two seats on the morning flight the next day, the last two seats available uh, to Seattle. So she booked us on that. Bless her heart. I could have kissed her if it wasn't going to get me arrested. <laughs> and so then we just had to we had to hold up in, in Vancouver for the night. And given everything we had gone through already, I was like, I'm not leaving the vicinity of this airport. Yeah. So we stayed at the Fairmont, which is attached to the airport and spent way too much money on a single night in a hotel. 
um, for the sheer comfort of knowing that I was going to be able to walk from the hotel room to the gate the next morning. Yes. And that did bring me great comfort, but, right. and our room was actually really cool because they, they overlook like all the gates. So you can see all the planes. Which That's is my really plane. Neat. We got to go. <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so I can have anxiety about missing my flight from there. Yeah. Um, and they had a really great restaurant. So like once we got the flights booked, once we got the hotel room and we dropped our bags and like splashed water on our face and kind of felt like a human again, we went and found a very nice beer and uh, some dinner at like 10 o'clock at night in Vancouver Nice. and had a, a, a actually nice evening. Um, so 10 o'clock in Vancouver is 1 a.m. You've had a long day. With the oh, time it was change. a long day. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I didn't even know what time it was in my, yeah. like, and because it's Vancouver and, and I don't know, I guess the sun is up later there. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it was, the sun was still kind of setting. So like you could see the mountain ranges in the background. It was actually like a very nice evening. Sure. And I realized I've been talking for 10 minutes and I haven't even gotten to Seattle yet. <laughs> so you can imagine, you can imagine how long this story felt in, in our minds. But so the next morning we were through security way earlier than we needed to be but didn't care we got on our flight we got to seattle just a day late so that's fine yeah. got to our hotel i checked in and then we're able to actually go and explore a little bit before before the game and and seattle is known for many things and one of them is craft beer yes um, one of the so uh, we, craft beer capitals of north america yeah and and honestly matt like we scratched the surface of their craft beer scene because we just we had so little time we were there from what was now Friday at noon until Sunday morning. Right. So we had less than 48 hours there. Um, but we, we did check out a couple of breweries. We went to uh, Pike brewing, which is right near Pike place, um, which was pretty cool. We went to a, a place called optimism brewing, um, which uh, was, uh, I'll send you some photos if you want to uh, use it on, on the account, but it was expecting you to oh, send me some beers is what I thought. Oh, we I know. <laughs> well, if we had gotten any back, trust yeah. me, we only brought carry ons. I'm not checking luggage right now. I thought a true um, friend would have taken an empty suitcase just for me and <laughs> loaded up. Okay. I'm a little disappointed, but we'll take the photos in lieu of nothing else. Yeah. yeah, but we did we did have some amazing beer there, and and when we weren't checking out craft breweries, we were we hit up a couple of like dive bars which served really good beer, yes, yeah. um, and even like we went so the game was at uh, Climate Pledge Arena, which is the new arena in, in Seattle where the Kraken play, right? Um, and they actually had a decent craft beer selection there, nice. so I okay. I drank. Um, Kraken Stash IPA, which was by Hop Valley, made specifically, obviously, for the Kraken. Yeah. It was a very, very tall can, like an extra tall can. Ooh. And it was 7%. Nice. All right. So dangerous for a sporting event. Sure. But uh, very tasty. And uh, it, what, what an amazing venue that is. Like, if I could just talk about that for a second. The, mm -hmm. the Climate Pledge Arena is insane so new so nice and fresh and like it's all meant to be i don't think i don't think it's carbon neutral but they're meant to be like one of the most economic uh, uh, environmentally sustainable and friendly uh, it's like underground and, right i've seen pictures of people who like stand around and there's like windows from the sidewalk and you're looking down the lower bowl it looked like yeah kind yeah. of you you go in on the like you you walk down some stairs to even get in and then you go in and because we were in the lower bowl we went down an escalator to get to like the concourse right okay 
Um, so yeah, it is, it is kind of underground. Cause it's not for, if you're, if you're standing on the outside of it, you're like, there's no way this is an NHL sized <laughs> arena. There is not very tall, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's very, um, kind of built into the ground that way. I remember seeing pictures and, of it. Uh, like apparently half the reason, uh, this is the old key arena, but they wanted to keep the roof. It's some sort of like landmark or the same reason, the same way here we have like cultural things that you can't tear down or whatever. Apparently, they wanted to keep this roof. I guess it's iconic or whatever. So half the reason that the reno was so expensive, my understanding is because they brought in all these cranes and like ways to support the roof, tore out literally everything underneath it and just left the roof suspended there while they rebuilt the arena underneath. And it still technically occupies, I guess, the same footprint that the old key arena did uh, and kept whatever was so special about this roof and then basically that's the only piece that survived they just built everything back up to it and yeah that's my understanding how it went anyway i did not know that i don't i, I don't know what's special about the roof it looked fine to me all right but yeah it it's sure look like <laughs> anything worth keeping roof, but no. hey what, what do i know yeah. um but yeah the 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 food options are really cool you know like there's there's i don't think i've ever if I had gone into the Palladium when it was first built, I was too young to remember it. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever been in a, aside from the South side stands of the TD place. I've never been into an arena or a venue that like that's this new, right? Like, you know, it, like it, it had that new car smell yes. almost <laughs> like every, the, the paints still f- smelt fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that was really funny as you're coming in, I don't know if this is to like make you feel environmentally conscious. I don't know how it would work, but they're spraying um, uh, essential oils. So you walk in and it kind of smells like eucalyptus. Really? And you can see where they're spraying it. Josh hated it. <laughs> but I was like, why it's do like, I feel those like pretentious I'm restaurants? Yeah, the, the, is it the Rainforest Cafe. I hate that place so much. <laughs> but that's yeah. what this is making me think of. <laughs> A little bit. It, and it had that wall that's all leaves okay. and plants. Yes. <laughs> and all the signs that say, please don't touch the leaves and plants. No, which that I, we intentionally again, put here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like, it was just a cool place. And, and obviously seeing, um, the Seattle storm play and, and Sue bird play basketball. How'd she was, do? Was Tell really, us really about cool. her night. Uh, she, you know, she, I think she finished with eight points. It wasn't like a crazy night for her, but we saw her drain a three. Yeah. We saw her hit a few shots. Um, we saw her warm up and, and like, they're not using her a ton right now. She's getting a lot of load management. Right. Uh, Brianna Stewart put up 20 plus points though, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and the storm won obviously, cause they were playing the Indiana fever and there really was no other outcome. Okay. Um, but, uh, it was, it was just super cool. Like I went down, I went down to the, the, uh, court side before when everyone's warming up and it's me and a bunch of kids standing there hoping that she'll come sign something. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Kayla's has pushing a photo. children to the oh to i the was ground. fully ready to get out of my kid. way yeah if a, if a kid got in the way of me and sue bird let me just tell you um <laughs> i would make the news uh she didn't come over and sign autographs i didn't get her autograph unfortunately but i got a lot of photos of like being really close to her which was right. cool and uh and yeah it was it was just really neat I, I was just so glad that you know she played i was so worried that you know she's gonna get hurt or something yes. and, and i'm gonna have booked this trip and nearly killed myself to get out there um and she's not gonna play and i'm gonna have to book another one so uh, it all worked out thank god and uh yeah it was it ended up being a really like a fun a fun trip a very quick trip um 
but we got to see some, some of the city, like, you know, that we had a full day to explore and we went, we got out of downtown and went into a neighborhood called, called Ballard, which had a bunch of cool restaurants and, and what turned out to be a bunch of cool breweries that we stumbled upon at 9 PM as they were closing. Oh no. Um, but Lagunitas brewery w- is out there, which I didn't know. So we, we saw that and there was a bunch of other really cool spots. So, uh, it was, it was a really neat city. I, I would hundred percent go back with, with more time to spare, obviously. Right. Um, because there's just so much more of the craft beer scene that we didn't get to, to even experience. Yeah. That extra night turns out to be a big deal. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I've done almost the identical trip. I was going to Portland instead of Seattle. And so mm. uh, I flew out there with Amy's team actually at one point and, uh, and I was helping them out. And so, yeah, it was Ottawa, Toronto, uh, Toronto, Vancouver, Vancouver, Portland. And they put you on this little prop jobby from Vancouver to, <laughs> yeah. uh, to Portland. And I'm not a good flyer at all, but on the little connecting flight from Vancouver to Portland, we're sitting there and the rest of the team is making conversation with people, which I, I don't do. I'm kind of a grump. Michaela, as you know, I, I don't need to socialize. <laughs> I got headphones and, and that'll be fine. But I, I'm kind of perked up. They're talking to this woman who writes for some sort of magazine, and she's going to cover the fact that uh, Portland has become kind of this spot in the Pacific Northwest where you go, like, it, it's it's for foodies. It's become very trendy for food, right, Is I guess, mm. this area. And I, again, I'm sort of like, yeah, this doesn't interest me. And so I'm turning away. And she just kind of mentions in passing, she's like, yeah, for, like, really, like, crazy kind of out there food and, like, craft beer uh, this has become one of the go-to places. And now I'm like, Oh, Hey, what, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> you have my attention. Yeah, exactly. And so now I'm suddenly a little more engaged in the, uh, in the conversation, but I didn't get to see almost anything. We weren't there very long and, uh, whatever, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like a neat area, right? Like, and, uh, you know, I'm glad you got to see the game. Obviously Seattle, like you said, was, was going to win it, but there's nothing worse than like planning a big trip like this, getting all the way out there and like, Oh, by the way, she twisted her ankle in practice this morning. And you're like, uh, I'm going to, I guess, have to come back in a couple of weeks and do this all over again. But, uh, yeah. Do you have one beer that you remember as kind of a, like, this is amazing. I wish I could pack a bunch of these and take some home and maybe even one for Matt. Oh, there were so many. Um, one that stood, it wasn't even at a brewery, but it was a local craft beer. We went to th- this place called the Five Point Cafe, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a late night dive bar. Okay. Um, and you know, it, it's they, they go for this ambiance of kind of dirty and like <laughs> seedy, and there's bumper <laughs> stickers all over the walls, and like you know, there there's a sign that says "Please do coke in the bathroom" and and all this wow. stuff. Like they're kind of going for a comical um you know dive bar ambiance so we went there after the game and i had an ipa by uh, i think it's called logan brewing company um yeah logan brewing company and i was just whatever ipa they had on tap and it was super tasty um so that one i i really really liked um we the optimism brewing was really cool we we went there and like you know got a flight got to try a bunch of different beers and they were all super tasty but they had you know the the pacific northwest is is obviously when you think of that area you think of like kind of the northwest ipa right west coast ipa um so there's a lot of west coast ipa vibes i'm a big west coast ipa fan (laughs) if i'm gonna go east or west coast it's always west coast uh so a lot of a lot of those beers, super, super tasty. And, um, yeah, I'd say those, those are the two that, that, that stood out to me. Um, but yeah, I, the, there was, it w- I don't think I had a 
bad beer the entire time I was there. It was, I, I, again, I wish we could go back and just explore more because we just scratched the surface. Uh, I did trade a couple messages with uh, Josh while you were out there and he was posting from all sorts of places and he, uh, I asked him if he had had a chance yet to tour Fraser's apartment and he told me he was annoyed that he understood that reference. So uh, I guess next time <laughs> we'll get to uh, get to Fraser's. Uh, it was an interesting weekend of, uh, of draft hockey shrides. Before we get into kind of some of the news that went on here, it was a big weekend for the Habs. It was a big weekend for the Sens. Um, you know, we'll talk a little winners and losers here. What did you think of the presentation itself? And I'm sure with as exhausted as you've been here, uh, it may have been enough to put you to sleep, but over the last couple of years, we've done this on zoom and it loses a little something in terms of the crowd ambiance, but it feels to me like it bounces along a fair bit quicker, at least in the first round, uh, when you do it uh, over zoom, but the NHL one of the things people like about it is that, yeah, we do it in front of our fans and all these players get to come up and meet the, you know, the staff and the commissioners and they're all in the same place. Um, it felt long to me. It was, yeah. I think at one point we were uh, an hour and 40 minutes in and at pick number 11 and I was just, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Like this is, it's too much. Uh, what did you think of the presentation out of Montreal? I think I had given up by at least the 10th pick. Yeah. Cause I don't remember anything past there. Yeah. Like I, I remember thinking, is it me or have we just been watching, you know, virtual drafts for the last couple of years? And this is always how long it took, or is this exceptionally long? That's part of it too. <laughs> is like, laying... stop trying to speak French. You clearly don't speak French. And mm. look, I won't speak for the Quebecers who were there. I would feel like I'm being patronized too, especially when I also know how long this is taking. Like, and it seemed like anyone who had anyone on staff who had ever visited Quebec even once, they got to come up and speak and try and make this a thing. And you get the usual, we want to thank our shitty draft party at TGI Fridays and we want to thank our owner. And it, I don't know, it, like you said, it's been a couple of years and I know it always is long, but this one felt exceptionally long. And I just felt like there was a little bit too much patronization happening towards Quebec that maybe even they didn't love. Even before the pandemic, I was a big fan of Tim Murray's approach to drafting. Yep. Get up there, say the name of the player you're taking, and get off the stage. Buffalo select. That is it. So-and-so. Carrying on. As opposed Done. to, we're That's bringing 12 people up on stage. The president is going to thank everybody. Then he's going to introduce the GM to come up and make the selection. And maybe they've brought their kid to do it. And you're just like, could we just get through this, please? Yeah. Hundred percent. I uh, especially like when Gary Bettman and like I know Gary Bettman's shtick is that he loves the booze, does but he, I found he was he. I don't think he does. does he pretends to. On, yeah, he was laying it on thick this mm. time. Like, okay, Gary, we get it. You're trying to make it look like you don't care about the booze, but right. maybe just don't acknowledge them and do your job. Yeah, because and and especially when he was speaking French, like if I'm a Montrealer and. I've listened to Gary Bettman almost take away this draft at the drop of the hat yep. in the last couple of months and speak about my city and my fan base with just nothing but disdain. Yep. I don't care if he tries to speak French, especially if he tries You're to speak French. You're not changing any minds here tonight, Gary. <laughs> exactly. And it was just such a you know clear attempt to pander and, you know, Gary, we know how you really feel about Canada. <laughs> maybe stop trying just go like I, I don't know it was almost like he he either 
forgot what it was like being up there and being booed by Canadians. He missed it or <laughs> he was just trying like you know you know when someone who can't make a joke is trying to make a joke yes. and it doesn't land and it's painful. That's what it felt and like they every won't time give Gary up on Batman it. was like no! I have to make sure you understand. Hey, this is funny. Like I'm going to keep pushing it and t- like oh. I understood it. It wasn't funny. Let it die. Like <laughs> Exactly. I like I don't know if he's getting worse or if I'm getting more uh, impatient in my old age, but like I've, I've never been more annoyed at Gary Batman in my life. And that is saying something because pretty much anytime that guy opens his mouth, I'm I mean, irritated. most of us are annoyed. <laughs> so it, 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 it takes something special for, for it to be this bad, but I, I don't know. It, it just felt like everything was a little bit much this year. And I don't know if it's because we just haven't experienced it in a while or if everyone else hasn't experienced it and they wanted to do it more, but it just felt like a lot. The Habs take at number one, somewhat surprisingly, Uri Slifkovsky. And it had gotten closer throughout the last couple of months. There were scouts that liked him better than Shane Wright. But you saw a ton of merch, and most of it homemade, like, don't get me wrong. People coming in, you know, make the right choice and things like that on their t-shirts. And, um, you know, this kid out of the Kingston Frontenacs versus kind of this uh, winger out of Slovakia that maybe we don't know quite as well. Uh, I believe he's playing for TPS Turku in the Finnish League this year, but he made it onto the big stage. I believe he was the MVP at the Olympics, actually, uh, for Slovakia. And he's been the top scorer, I believe, at World Championships. Like, the kid is very good. And I wondered what your takeaway was. I want to play the audio here for uh, for you in the audience. There was some talk that he was being booed, uh, and I'm sure those people were there. But the sound that the crowd made, as soon as they acknowledged from the Slovakian national team, and everyone who really knows hockey who's in that crowd, you know, knows, okay, it's not Shane Wright, it's going to be Slavkovsky. To me, it's a sound of shock more than a sound of booing. And it, it, it's kind of a crazy buzz that comes over the building. I want to get your opinion on it, but just for a second here, let me play the audio from that. Avec notre premier choix au repêchage with our first pick in the 2022 NHL draft, les Canadiens de Montréal sont fiers de repêcher from the Slovakian national team and TPS Turku, Uri Slavkovsky. To me, it's almost a sound of, oh, right, like a like a shock yeah. more than a boo. What was your takeaway from it? I, 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 I agree with you. It was kind of more surprise than anything when, like, <laughs> like that's Levkovsky's music yeah. or whatever <laughs> the wrestling reference you want to make. Um, it felt like that kind of reaction where, like, oh, man, we actually didn't expect that. I, did, I didn't hear the boos and... Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I would hope there's a passionate city. I'm sure there were gig, some, but, right. But yeah, I don't think it was, I'm with, I, I think it was shock more than anything else. Yeah. I think a lot of us were shocked. Yeah. Right? Like, like you said, like we had started to hear your guy was potentially like he was on Bob's list as number one mm-hmm. and Oh, maybe Shane Wright's not going, but like, you know, Shane Wright had been projected number one since he was 15. Yep. Right. And this was affirmative. He is not going number one. Like every, you know, there's always, I feel like there's always a couple articles leading up to the draft to try and throw a wrench into the, the draft rankings just to drum up some buzz, get people talking. But Mm -hmm. like nine times out of 10, it plays out almost the, the top three anyway, plays out almost exactly how you expect. 
And this was very much not that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, the crowd was just, you know, dealing with, with that shock in the only way they knew how, which was to make audible reactions. <laughs> Gasps. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's true. And it, it, you know, it, it was interesting to me, and you, you make such a good point there, that towards the end, it's almost like people are trying to be, uh, you know, counterculture or whatever, right? Like, I'm going to give the reasons why you might do the opposite. And there's another part to this, and we've seen it before, especially with, uh, you know, you know, I remember it a lot with John Tavares, just because, you know, he was an Oshawa general, which was the junior team I grew up cheering for. He got traded to London in his last year, but... When you are granted exceptional status in the OHL, as Shane Wright also was, you're there a lot longer, right? And people start to, you know, I'm kind of sick of this storyline. It's an extra year to poke holes in this guy. And um, by the time John Tavares was drafted, we were starting to hear, you know what? Maybe it will be Victor Hedman that goes number one ahead of him. And in hindsight, it's not like that would have been a crazy selection. But at the time, you're like, what are you talking about? Everyone's known it's going to be John Tavares for four years uh, mm-hmm. And even Matt Duchesne was starting to creep into the conversation. And at that point, the Islanders went ahead and did what everyone knew they should do and just select John Tavares. And I wonder, I, I want to float this to you because I come from a fairly biased place, Michaela. But allow me to float this notion for you. As, uh, as Shane Wright had been the consensus number one for, as you said, four or five years now as a center. And we have someone right there with him a big European winger who has put up a ton of numbers at the last couple international tournaments and kind of wowed people that way, as opposed to kind of over the long haul. And in my experience as a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, when presented with that exact same situation, you do what everyone has known you should do for four years and you take the center who maybe didn't overwhelm you this year, but everyone knows is the guy. And in case anyone's not following along here, I think the the Habs just took Patrick Laine instead of Austin Matthews. And it's worth remembering as we circle all the way back, no one at the time that Matthews was drafted projected him to become the best goal scorer of this generation. We were using comparison names like Anze Kopitar. And you've been like, if this guy turns into Anze Kopitar, I'll be thrilled. You can win a championship with Anze Kopitar as your number one center. We've seen him do it twice. He went on to be become something more than that. And I can remember at the time arguing on this show and with other people, I don't care what Patrick Lyonet did at World Juniors. I don't care what Patrick Lyonet did at World Championships. You take the number one center and you run and you be thrilled that you have him. And I'm not saying that uh, Uri Slavkovsky won't be great for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm not even saying that Shane Wright might turn out to be Austin Matthews. I would have just taken the center that everyone knows you should take, who has had a bump or two in the road because of the pandemic. The OHL hasn't played as much as some of these other guys. I would have just taken the center. Yeah, it, it definitely is a curious decision. Like, and, and again, like I don't think there's necessarily a wrong choice when you're looking at these two players. They're two very, very good players. And I think that either way, you're probably looking at two two guys who are going to have great NHL careers, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, that's that's the decision that you see a lot of teams make, mm-hmm. right? Is is you always go with the center. They they, they value centers over everything else. Um, you take the center and and you build from there. Because they're talking I'm about also, this guy, like maybe Ryan O'Reilly, maybe Patrice Bergeron. Like imagine having Nick Suzuki 
and a Ryan O'Reilly type for the next decade as a Montreal Canadian. You're in great shape. Yeah. And I think it, it, you know, for our benefit, it creates a very interesting storyline every time now the Kraken, who did take Shane Wright Mm -hmm. and Montreal play, which granted is only two times a year. But there's this very like like he allegedly stared down the Montreal table as he walked photo. up there. And He's got the death got stare right at the Habs table. It's it's incredible. Whether it's real or not, it's a great storyline. Yeah. And you're, you'll be seeing that it, photo exactly. for years. It created a great storyline. I'm also like, I'm the first to criticize NHL teams for adopting the same philosophy year in and year out. And if that same philosophy is always take the center and build from there, well, then I, I can't really criticize Montreal for, for deviating from that just a little bit because some fresh perspective is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then they went out and they got a young center in Kirby Dock to, to fill that void. So did you I, not think like, when you heard that trade, the two trades that Montreal was moving up to 13 and they were going to take Shane, right? Uh, yeah, that that second deal was going to be them <laughs> moving to number four, and they were still going to get. Sh- I was like, "Wow, that would have been." I was brilliant. so ready. The roof would have I come was off so that ready place. For that. Yeah. Oh, the, the the announcement of that trade was so funny because you could hear the roller coaster of emotion that Montreal Canadiens fans <laughs> went through. Right, the Habs have traded Romanoff. Well, what? And even just before that, Gary's out there and they're booing him again. He's like, "I have trades," and they're still sort of whatever. And he's like, "They involve the Canadians," and everybody's like, "Okay, I'm in, Gary. Like, what do you got for <laughs> us?" Uh, I will also Alex, point Alex out Alex Romanoff, no, for da 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 and Kirby Doc. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They get this twenty <laughs> one year old center who yeah, he's battled some injuries, but uh man, we'll get to Chicago. They've had not a great weekend, Oof. I would suggest. But I will also take a moment here to kick dirt on Lou Lamorello, who traded Devin Taves, who at absolute worst is a top 20 defenseman in the league for two second round picks and then had to turn around this year and try and replace him by dealing away the 13th overall pick to get Alex Romanoff, who is not uh, Devin Taves, by the way, Uh, not a great series of moves there from uh, from Lou. But it was fascinating to see what that happened. And it does. You're right. They they did go out and get their center. He's a year or two into his career. But uh, Kirby Doc, if people recall, uh, drafted by the the Blackhawks and then went to World Juniors and I think it was his wrist was it not that he broke and, and yep. missed a bunch of time there so he hasn't gotten off to the great start that uh, that a lot of people were hoping for in his young career but man the Blackhawks as they're rebuilding here um, they could have used a guy like that he's 21 years old you did not have to that was not a piece that needed to go uh, and neither was uh, well to bring it we'll get to that in a few minutes um we've talked a second here Michaela about whether or not Montreal Canadiens fans were happy or unhappy with their choice at Uri Slavkovsky were they shocked or were they booing I got some audio here I'm not sure if you've seen this this comes from a video from the New Jersey Devils draft party and uh, the Devils were selecting number two and I'm sure they thought after Slavkovsky went one they were getting Shane Wright. So I want to play the audio here on how uh, the draft party in New Jersey at uh, a local bar there reacted to New Jersey's choice. Shattering night for Slovakia. Yeah. 
so towards the end there, you hear the devil's goal horn and uh, goal song playing. I'm not sure if that was always the plan or if that was to drown out some of the more unhappy amongst the uh, amongst the people at the draft party. Simon Nemec, apparently, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert on Slovakian defensemen who are 18 years old. By all accounts, has as much upside as anyone in the draft and was all in all likelihood a top five guy. But I'm sure a lot of these fans who were sitting there thought, Hey, we're about to get Shane right now. That's pretty cool. And uh, to go somewhere else is no, no, <laughs> not loving it, Michaela. I feel like that, that clip is going to be used one day when he, Nemich is just having like the ultimate success in, at the NHL level. Like... <laughs> wins the Norris or like God, New Jersey wins the Stanley Cup or something, yeah. and like he's hoisting it. And that clip is gonna like that clip is gonna haunt New Jersey for a while. And this is why like overreaction, good or bad, yeah. to any draft pick, even the second overall, like it needs to be tempered to a certain extent because. Quite frankly, it, it it may take a while for these players to develop. You don't. We we only know so much, and trust me, we don't know. You know, we can do all the research we want. We're we're still at the mercy of the the scout scouts in the media yep. who who are doing the research for us, right? So like, it's always it's so hard to really judge uh, any any one pick, but it, <laughs> to have it on on video like that, <laughs> like you know, that's going to come back to you, man. And I hope uh, it does. That's great theater. Of course. Um, look, there's some trades and other things that happened around the draft. Was there anything else shocking in terms of, you know, where guys were picked? I know Ottawa traded out of the first round to get Alex to bring it. Like I said, we'll talk about that in a minute. Toronto traded out of the first round back into the second to unload Peter Morazic. So I don't have, obviously, a ton of thoughts on the guys they did draft. I assume they will all become instant superstars and lead us to the, to the promised land. Uh, was there anything else from the actual first round of selections, though, that you wanted to hit on here? Um, like I said, I kind of tapped out after about the tenth, but yeah. I, you know, Sh- and I don't want to make too much of Shane Wright falling because I'm not going to, you know, revel in in an 18 year old kid being disappointed. But I think it's great that he got picked up at fourth by the Seattle Kraken. The That's Kraken, a great pick for them. yeah, it's a great pick. They fell ass backwards into like a fantastic what was supposed to be first overall pick. Yep, and you know they. You know, they're an expansion team, so I'm not going to be too hard on them. But like one thing that they really failed to do as an expansion team was be relevant in any way, shape or form last year. Right. They weren't just bad. They were irrelevant. Yeah, it's boring. Who cares? Exactly. And and quite frankly, it's too good of a logo to waste on that. It really is. Um, (laughs) So they they. I think got a great player and they made some headlines for themselves. Well, and they have uh, Matty Beneers really last year, like get out of the national team development program there in the U S for the next 10 years, they could have these two kids, you know, and look, there's always question marks, but based on the projections, having those two guys as your one and two centers over the next decade, as you start to build this thing up. Yeah. I think obviously, like you suggested, they got incredibly lucky to get him, but they did get him and it, they didn't make any mistake at that point. They didn't overthink yep. it. They didn't look at who else they may have been wanting to grab at that spot. You just take the kid and you run and you go home and line him up with Maddie Beneers and, and hope that that is, you know, the, the, the centerpieces that you're going to build around for the next decade, I, I think is tremendous for, for Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was, uh, it, it was, you know, it's a fun storyline to kind of follow, um, as it's happening. Cause surprises are always great, but, uh, yeah, that I thought that was really great for Seattle. Uh, earlier in the day before we started making picks, 
Ottawa traded away the seventh overall pick and a couple others. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe they were both outside the first round, though, uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks for Alex Dabrinkit. And if you're not super familiar with that name, uh, kid's got a couple of 40-goal seasons under his belt already. He's only 24 years old. He's just a wee fella, which is the reason he had fallen uh, out of the first round in his draft year. He has shown that that is not a factor for him. Uh, He's going to make $6 million this year. Next year, he has a $9 million qualifying offer. And the year after that, if Ottawa doesn't lock him up, he would become an unrestricted free agent. Uh, So there is risk here for Ottawa, but there is tremendous reward when you acquire a player like this. You give up the seventh overall pick, but Ottawa has been picking high for a while now and has some of those guys already in their lineup playing every night and a couple more that aren't yet in the lineup that are either coming this year or very soon. Uh, Names like Sanderson are the first one that jumped to mind there. Uh, What did you think about the trade dealing away seventh overall and, uh, and for a player like Alex Dabrinkit? Oh, I loved it, Matt. I was very, very happy about this. Like we knew the Sens were probably going to trade that pick. Like, like you said, they've, they're done stocking the cupboard. Now they actually need to like start winning on the ice, um, which they have not done. And, uh, one one kind of piece that I think we all agreed they needed was some sort of like legitimate goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, like this team fair, like it's always been, even in it's, you know, the best days of the Ottawa senators m- minus Danny Heatley, they've always been like a scoring by committee team. Like they, they yeah. very rarely had a, even 30 goal scorer, like throughout the 2017 run throughout having um, uh, Mark Stone and Mike Hoffman, like, they Kyle were always Turris's, like tw- yeah. Kyle Turris, like like 28, 29 goal scorers. That's a good point. Cracking that 30 goal scorer. Um, Even going all uh, the way back to stealing. the, you know, before that, it was, it was Bonks and, uh, you know, it was Hosas and Havlats and whatever. Uh, like you said, scoring by committee, all capable guys, but no one hitting 40 or 50. It was just a lot of guys who hit 25 yeah. to 35. And- Until Josh Norris hit 35 goals this year, the last two players to do it were Jason Spezza and Milan Mahalik in, like, 2012. Right. Milan so, That's a like, name I wasn't going to come up with. That's... Exactly. Yeah. It's been a while. And now you've got a guy who scored 40-plus goals twice in his career on a terrible <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks team. Yeah. Uh, 78 points last year in 82 games on a terrible Chicago Blackhawks team. And, and really, like, just a great young winger who now you've got like solidifying your top six a little bit. And I think this is a great move for Ottawa. This is exactly what they needed. Um, you know, where he'll fit in exactly is it remains to be seen, obviously. But uh, I, th- I think this was a great pickup. And I, as a Sens fan, made me super excited. Uh, as a Leafs fan, made me a little bit bummed because I agree that this was a very good move for, for <laughs> Ottawa. Um, earlier in the day, I was fist pumping and high kicking around the house knowing that Pierre Dorian was getting ready to trade that pick away with Matt Murray to Buffalo just to get rid of him. And later in the same day, he takes that pick that he was going to basically waste. Look, I I understand the idea that Ottawa wants to get rid of Matt Murray. And frankly, it makes sense to me that you would use an asset to do it. The fact that in the same day, he thought that it was just as good of an idea to trade that pick away with Matt Murray just to get rid of Matt Murray as it was to turn around and, oh, fine, I guess I'll go get Alex to bring it. Then you're like, 
hang up your phone, dude, because you've got a win here and you can't be trusted to make any more calls today. Um, It's a good move for Ottawa. It gives them what they need right up there in the top six. It it makes their power play much better. Uh, It gives them that extra punch. I think there's some hope that maybe he will click with Stutzla the way he clicked with, uh, with Kane. Look, at this point, he may become this, but he is not. Tim Stutzla is not yet Patrick Kane, but there could be some chemistry there on a number them however you want on a second line behind Norris Batherson and Kachuk. If you prefer to flip those, that's your prerogative. Um, I, I think it's a really good move. The problem that, that, that arises is I think Chicago saw him as a flight risk, a guy that, you know, at 24, much like I said about Kirby doc, uh, you know, you could keep that guy, you could build around him and he would still, you know, in four or five years, he'd be 27, 28, still in his prime and ready to contribute, you know, to this next wave of Blackhawks. If he wasn't willing to, or giving indications that he wasn't willing to commit long-term in Chicago, will he be willing to make that commitment in Ottawa? And that's an interesting question for me. It's one you don't have to answer this year, but he's going to play, in my opinion, and Shrides can, can and will push back if she disagrees, on a team this year that's going to miss the playoffs. Next year, he's making $9 million on a, quali- a qualifying offer, and if he's not feeling it, he gets to walk away. Now, as I've said, I like this for Ottawa. It was seventh overall. It wasn't first or second overall. It was in a draft that wasn't as deep as, as other years. Ottawa struggles to attract big-name free agents. This is a risk worth taking, but it is a risk. And um, like I said, I'd have taken it too, but you know, it isn't without, uh, without some concern. Yeah, and I, like that's fair. I think, I mean, every move comes with a little bit of risk. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't know what the ownership situation is going to be, right? There's a lot in flux with the Sens right now. We know they have the cap space. um, That's for sure. (laughs) Whether or not they have the cash or are willing to spend the cash remains to be seen. But like, I I knows that that bill is coming. Like he, yeah, yeah, he didn't do this. Stupid. uh, Like, no, I'm not going to say it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's an inevitability. Like anytime, you know, you bring in a young star. Yeah, they're going to want to get paid eventually, and you're going to have to convince them to stay here. Um, and do you think I, it matters I, that? I'm sorry, I just totally stepped all over your point there. That's, okay. uh, do you think it matters that Josh Norris, uh, Brady Kachuk, Jake Sanderson, are starting to build kind of a you know an American click here that maybe makes him a little more comfortable? And uh, you know, Brady's locked up long term. I know Ottawa's working on Norris. I wonder if that is something that that Dorian would have looked at and go, you know what, that might make him a little more comfortable. It's not like all those guys just are best buds who all have known each other forever, but there is kind of that American click maybe forming that maybe helps hold this together a bit. Yeah, I was actually I was just going to say, like, when you look at the core of this team and and the American aspect is definitely a, a, a fair point. But just the fact that, you know, Brady Kachuk is signed long term, I feel like Brady Kachuk could convince anyone to do anything. <laughs> um, so if, if I'm going to, like, put my faith in any player to, like, take Alex to under their wing and convince him to stay, it's Brady Kachuk. But like, you've got a great young core of players that I think 
any young star would probably love to play with right yeah. now, whether it's Brady Kachuk or Tim Stutzler or Josh Norris or Drake Batherson. There are a lot of really talented players in this forward core. Mm-hmm. And d- at the very least, Debrinkat's going to come in for two years and have a lot of fun. And and maybe that convinces him to stay. But yeah, then he's also got a lot of his his countrymen, you right. know, there with him who have been through the U.S. development program, and you know they've probably crossed paths together in the last couple of years. Sure. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think that's a great point. And and you know, again, there's just there's too much in flux with the ownership situation to say definitively yes or no he will stay, and yes or no we should be concerned that would take away from us, you know, not enjoying the next two years of a really great player. Right. Yeah. Uh, to me, like I said, I, I, it's a worthwhile risk. Um, and maybe I'm overstating the risk part of it. I, that was always going to be my take as someone who wants bad things for, uh, for the senators, but I would have made this move as well. Um, Pierre knows that at best, you know, um, or at minimum, he's going to be paying that guy $9 million next year. And it's not like he's not worth it. You don't find 40 goal scorers just falling out of the trees all over the place. And it is a legit point. Teams like Winnipeg, teams like Edmonton, teams like Ottawa struggle to lure in the big name free agent. Well, I didn't have to lure this one in here. I went, I brought him here, and I'm going to let him see what we're building for two years. And I'm going to hope to sell him. I'm going to hope our guys sell him. I'm going to hope our city sells him. And I'm going to hope that, you know, this turnaround starts to move in the right direction while he's here and he's seeing it uh, firsthand. And then I don't have to convince somebody who's never been a senator before to come here and give us a chance. I have to convince a guy who's been here for two years, hopefully seen some good things. Come on, you know you want to stick around and see some more of this. I I, I thought it was an interesting move uh, and probably a really good one. And you look at all the really good things that have happened for the Ottawa senators in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. right. With mm-hmm. the LeBreton deal, they seem to finally be willing to, you know, take risks and, yeah. and make moves and, and stuff. And, um, you know what that's down to, I don't know, but, um, there's a lot to be excited about in this fan base for the first time in a while. And I feel like if you're a young player coming in with, you know, you're a, a incredibly talented player there's a lot more to convince you to stay now than there was a little while ago right even just the the dark cloud of where is this team going to play in a couple years that being one step closer to being figured out i think is such a huge step for this fan base and for this franchise and for convincing players and big name players to come here so i i i'm a lot more confident now because of that then, you know, if you'd asked me a few months ago, you know, if, if, if this kind of move happened. So I think that there's a lot, there's a lot more reason for optimism. Uh, I agree with you there. And uh, something happened a couple months ago that I've said a few times on this podcast has actually left this team more stable in Ottawa. And uh, we'll let people decide for themselves what that was. But uh, the team does appear to be headed in the right direction right now. Uh, also involving the Chicago Blackhawks. Toronto trades Peter Morazic and their 25th overall pick, uh, and they get uh, rid of his two years at $3.8 million. Um, a dubious mistake from a year ago that has not panned out at all. And uh, in exchange, they get Chicago's 38th overall pick. And uh, that's about it. I'm going to give you first crack at this one. What did you think of that move for uh, between the Leafs and Blackhawks? What is Chicago doing? Like, I have several questions. I get that they're tearing it down, but... 
you then trade away two in young players who you could very much build a team around yep. instead of two older players who are collectively making $20 million in Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Let's who, not forget you know, it was less than a year ago. They gave eight years and $9.5 million to Seth Jones, who's now apparently exactly. just going to guide this rebuild for you or... There's three players making $30 million who, quite frankly, are none of them are performing well enough to deserve that money. Yep. And this team has not won anything since those Kane and Taves contracts kicked in. That's right. I just, I like, there's so many questions about what the hell Chicago is doing. But the, the Peter Mrazek move was like the least of their problems. <laughs> and he's still, he, he is not a good goalie but he is silly like like he could be a serviceable nhl goalie especially if you're trying to lose money (laughs) yeah like if you're trying to tank and get is it connor bedard who's this coming next year if you're trying to tank and get connor bedard sure great move um (laughs) i i know a lot of people are dwelling on the you know essentially it cost the leafs a first round pick to get rid of peter morazic but really when you think about it it cost them what seven draft spots yeah they slid down 13 what's the difference between a yeah. A 13 spots. So, yeah. Sorry. So, you know, what's the difference between a, a late first rounder and an early second rounder? Not a whole hell of a lot. So I'm it's not... labeling, right? It's it's advertising. Because like even exactly. a year or two ago, like two years ago, the 32nd overall pick was a second round pick because Seattle hadn't started yet. Now it's a first round pick. Is it suddenly worth so much more or is it still just the 32nd overall guy? Right. So it's it's there is some kind of. Uh, this costs nineteen ninety nine. It does not cost twenty dollars, right? It's for less than twenty dollars, yeah. and it's, sometimes it's the way you try and sell it. Um, I, I, I'm with you on this. I, I, I was amazed. And look, let's. I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, as you just did, the, this was a mistake for Kyle Dubas a year ago. It did not work. Um, the year before this past year, so two years ago, he only played twelve games in that shortened season, and before that. He'd been fine. He'd been injury prone, but he was fine. He wasn't great. He was almost always a tandem guy, but that's sort of what the Leafs were looking for, that he could come in and be a tandem for with Campbell. And he, they bring him in. He gets hurt in his like, first game. Then he misses a bunch. Then he comes back and he gets hurt again in his next game. And that was it. He just never got on track. So I won't be shocked if when he gets to Chicago, he's sort of fine again, if he's healthy, right? Like a capable NHL goaltender who, you know, you're not going to win anything with, but can go in there and, and be fine. I also understand why the Leafs were not willing to take that risk, not at $3.8 million. They could not gamble on that again. And so, yeah, they gave up a first round pick, but it's not like when they gave up a first round pick with Marlowe and what you got was rid of Marlowe and nothing else. Gave up a first round pick, but you moved back 13 spots and still got a second round pick out of it, right? So it wasn't like it just disappeared on you completely. Um, I think we have to acknowledge that Dubas made a mistake with the signing. And he also, in my opinion, did a pretty nice job cleaning up that mistake and and turning it into something where now uh, he was very clear at the end of day two, we can now talk to any goalie we wanted, whether it's Darcy Kemper or back to Jack Campbell got room to uh, to make some trades and then it sounds like they're going to let Shalgren and Wall battle it out for the backup spot. I'll admit that makes me a tiny bit nervous, but it's also sort of makes sense. Mrazek just was a risk they couldn't afford to take this year that he was going to rebound, not at that price tag. And so I thought it was a pretty nice job in how he cleaned it up. 
Yeah, that's and and you know he he cleaned up a mistake. He got rid of uh, you know a goal he doesn't have use for anymore, and yeah. he saved money and didn't retain in the process. Which I think a lot of people were yes. a lot of people were looking at the Mrazek situation going into the draft like this is probably going to have to retain something here, or you buy him out and. Whether you buy them out yeah. or retain, it's going to be stuck on your cap for a few years. The fact that you made exactly. it disappear completely is is uh, is good. I, I like. Yeah, it. I thought it was a good move. Yeah. Uh, anything else out of the draft that uh, caught your attention in terms of trades or uh, anything kind of we've seen over the last couple of couple of days here? No, that was that was th- those are the main things, like little things here and there. I'm very interested about the. Uh, Tony D'Angelo and Philadelphia storyline yeah. and how long it's going to take for Grady to punch him in the face. Um, <laughs> or Torts, one of the two. Yeah. Oh, I forgot <laughs> Torts was there. That's a great point. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Um, by the way, I, like, I, I don't think I've been on the show since it happened, but like of all the places for Torts to end up, is yeah. there is there a city in America that better exemplifies Jonathan Tortorella's personality <laughs> than Philly? No, that's like, a perfect It's just fit. so perfect. Yeah. Oh. The goalie market has sort of set itself, and I I should, uh, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, later on in the week, uh, in the usual guest slot there on Thursday morning, our buddy Graham Nichols is going to be on the podcast, the Sixth Sense. Uh, He'll help us sort of break down. We are expecting another sort of big week of moves, maybe some buyouts, and uh, we will have one day of free agency behind us. Uh, So Graham Nichols will be on to to talk about everything that goes on this week, uh, coming up on Thursday morning. I was sort of interested in that kind of moving goalie carousel. And some teams weren't willing to wait. And the one that stands out to me the most, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, who had been rumored to be uh, of interest to the Leafs, is returning to Minnesota. That did not appear to make Cam Talbot and his agent very happy. They sort of kind of tolerated it at the end of last year. It looks like they're not going to tolerate it now. So Talbot may be on the move uh, via trade. Vili Husso, who has less than 60 games of NHL experience, I believe, is someone that was going to leave St. Louis was going to get a shot somewhere and Detroit gives him three years at 4.75 million. And that number was staggering to me. Cause again, that was one of the guys, obviously Lee fans are looking for, for goalies. He was going to be a risk no matter what at almost $5 million. There's no shot. I'm taking that risk. And yet when I step back, I go, but Steve Eiserman will. And Steve's pretty smart. Maybe like, did he just pull off the heist of the century by giving up almost nothing to bring that guy in before UFA lock him up, make him his guy. And, uh, I don't know, 4.75 million for Vili Husso seemed pretty rich times three years. Yeah, it's definitely a gamble, right? When there's that small of a sample size, but I feel like that like market value wise, there were so many people who were high on Vili Husso after this year yep. that, you know, was that what he was going to make no matter what? I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's one of those things where like, he's a genius. If it works out, yep. he's a moron. If it doesn't, but and it always either works way out for him. <laughs> yes, it does. That's the thing. <laughs> and we've all been waiting because Steve Eiserman has been really freaking quiet. Mm-hmm. And he, it, it's like that scene in the Simpsons where Homer's like the little guy is going to do something. <laughs> you know, it's and then be you cool. shut the door, <laughs> you know, it's going to be cool. And then he shuts the door and something amazing happens. Come here, you little squirt. Oh, maybe we should go inside. But Marge, that little guy hasn't done anything yet. Look at him. He's going to do something, and you know it's going to be good. Uh. 
and 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 that's kind of exactly what we may have, may or may not have witnessed. We don't know it yet, but I feel like there's. I feel like Steve Eiserman doesn't do. He, he doesn't. He, and he doesn't act irrationally yeah. or or like you know he, he doesn't do things without putting a great deal of thought behind them um he doesn't even say things without putting a great deal of thought behind them he, like he picks every single word at times yes. um so i have a lot of faith in this move but i mean i've been wrong before <laughs> but i have more faith in steve eiserman than i do myself so <laughs> that's fair i think we all yeah. have that uh that sort of belief that uh Steve, what should I do with my life? Like, what, yeah, what should exactly. I do tomorrow when I get out of bed? Um, I do wonder, as I look at Detroit's cap friendly, what it is their plan is there. Because after next season, they have three forwards, one defenseman, and now one goalie under contract and $65 million in cap space. So uh, I'm not sure what the plan is there. I do believe he has one, but I'm curious as to what it is because there's not much happening there long term right now, uh, which... Tremendous flexibility, but would also leave me with uh, with a little bit of concern, but uh, maybe less so than uh, than Steve Eiserman. Maybe the last thing I had in mind here was the GM of the wo- uh, year award, of course, had to be dropped into the middle of the first round of the draft to slow everything down that much more. Joe Sackick wins it. That's fair enough. But to me, I think it was Brian Burke who said it a bunch of times, the GM of the year award uh, is the guy who wins the goddamn Stanley Cup. So yeah. maybe we could just leave this alone. But we did just witness Tampa Bay winning two straight Stanley Cups and another trip uh, to the cup final, tinkering beautifully, dodging around the cap every single day, making nice little pickups at the deadline that always seem to pan out. And in none of those years does Julian Brisebois get a sniff of the GM of the Year award. Uh, do you have any time for this award at all or uh, how it's getting determined? Because the fact that he didn't get close to it in any of those three years makes me kind of go, maybe the people voting on this one don't know what they're doing either, which for the record is other GMs. <laughs> oh, God. Um <laughs> It, it's it's the same with the Jack Adams, like the coach of the year award. Like yeah. why hasn't John Cooper won? He, yeah. he took his team to two back-to-back Stanley cup championships and then another Stanley cup finals appearance. Uh, and yet it repeatedly goes to the coach whose team just didn't suck as much as we thought they would. <laughs> um, so I, I don't like, I, I'm not a big, I'll get into the debates of who should win ahead of time. Um, especially the player awards. But when it comes to the coach and GM, like I, I, I just know how they're, typically handed out and that they're they're not always and and i think most gms and coaches would agree like the only award they really care about bringing home is the stanley cup and and you know julian breezebaugh did that twice yes so what does he care um and and at least it lined up with joe sackick this year yes (laughs) like i i don't know it uh it's the the awards are so they're handed out by diff. This is the one thing I don't get about the, the NHL awards. Like like each one is handed out or voted on by different people and different groups. Yep. And it's like how do you bring any sort of consistency here when you've got one group of people, the GMs voting on the Vesna, yeah, and the writers voting on the Hart. Mm-hmm. But then the broadcast association voting on the Jack Adams, like it's just a, it's it's like a mishmash of, and 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 I'm all for like, hey, it shouldn't be just one group of people voting. Sure, I get that. That's a great argument. But mm-hmm. like, there needs to be some consistency here, and and clearly there's not because we're always having the same conversations around certain awards. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, anything else you wanted to hit on before we uh, wrap this one up, Shrides? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm going to be watching the WNBA All-Star Game Ooh. when this is over because it's on right now. Sue Bird's last All-Star Game. So nice. that's exciting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Uh, we are recording early on a uh, on a Sunday, so there is a lot of the day left, and Shrides will be in her PJs under a blanket on the couch trying to ride this yep. out, watching the WNBA All-Star Game. I, as a glutton for punishment, will be watching the Toronto Blue Jays try and fight off a four-game sweep from the freaking Mariners. Uh, things are, are not good in Blue Jays land. Like I said, episode 986, Andrew Stoughton was on to try and break that down for us. Uh, 985, Maddie Lang was talking about the uh, KD rumors to the Raptors. This is 987, and 988 or later on in the week, Graham Nichols will be here to talk about everything that goes on this week, whether it be buyouts and free agent signings and uh, trades. It uh, should be an interesting week around the NHL. Shrides, Always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, really appreciate you champing up as you're uh, you're battling through something there. You're a grinder, get deep in the corners, right? Getting pucks in deep and just doing what has to be done. Yeah, yeah. This is my injury report yes. post uh, post playoffs. <laughs> Why don't you tell us quickly what you can, uh, what's coming up on the Mouchoir podcast, and uh, and she got game. Uh, so Mouchoir this week, the Red Blacks are zero and four, so that's Ugh. cool. But we will talk about Nate Bahar uh, going off a little bit in his post game comments, rightfully so, um, after an incident on the field. And uh, and she's got game. I'm flying solo because Vanessa is in Europe. Not Slacker. jealous at all. No. Uh, and so it's just me this Bolton week. I've got European a couple. Tour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's following him. Yeah. Um, got a couple interviews lined up. Uh, Maggie McNeil and uh, possibly Jocelyn Alamos uh, from the U18 uh, women's uh, hockey team who just won gold. So a couple interviews lined up this week because no one wants to listen to me talk by myself for an hour. Uh, Maggie McNeil, the one who Canada fell in love with, as she admitted, uh, she pretty near shit herself before uh, before her race <laughs> at the uh, the Tokyo Olympics became a legend and she, i believe she's also the one who was squinting trying to f- see if she actually won gold yes. when she had in fact won gold she was a glasses wearer and when she turned around she couldn't see the board because she had just yeah, finished her, someone her. yeah exactly just a just a fucking amazing story so oh. uh that'll be awesome i can't wait to hear that uh she became a legend coming out of those uh, tokyo olympics uh michaela appreciate it as always uh tell the people where they can follow you on social media and then we'll wind this down you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. You can follow my craft beer takes, including all the beer I drank in Seattle at Crafted in the Capital on Instagram. Uh, and uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Talkin Audio, Facebook.com slash Talkin Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. As we wind this one down, we say thanks to Michaela for, uh, for battling through. We always appreciate your time and your insights. Uh, my name is Matt Robinson, and we will catch you all next time on Talkin Audio. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.